Lords of Limited is proud to be brought to you in part by StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Worney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, the time we've been waiting for is here. It's UMA Ultimate Masters Week. Are you pumped? Of course I'm pumped. It's the Ultimate Masters. How could I not be pumped? It's in the name. It's in the name. You have to be excited about it. There's no like, there's no, well, I don't know, maybe you just have to be all or nothing about this set, I think. I'm all in. Me too. Um, So we've got the Lords of Limited patented Crash Course episode for you here today about Ultimate Masters. Now we know a lot of folks may not be able to draft this set a ton, but the ability to draft Phantom on Magic Online makes getting in those reps pretty doable. And now that GRN is sort of like coming to a close, it feels like we've got Ultimate Masters into some cubes. So if you're a Magic Online grinder, like Ben and I are, I think you may be getting into some Ultimate Masters territory, and we want to get you as primed and ready as possible to get there. So we're going to go through all 10 color pair archetypes, talk about all the mechanics, get through all that good stuff, give you all of our first impressions. we got a lot to get through today, Ben. We do. Arena is going to be in my rear view mirror. MTGO, welcome back. Oh, baby. You hear that, Arena? Ben wants to play Ultimate Masters. All right, before we get into all the goodies today, we have to talk about our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited, where you can give back to the show if you so choose. And if you do give back to the show, we want to make sure we invite you on over to the Lords of Limited Discord chat. And I got to say, we've been talking about Ultimate Masters there. We have a whole new chat just for talking about Ultimate Master spoilers. People are already diving in, sharing other content articles about people doing their preview content, giving their primers, all that stuff. So we have a lot of people discussing the format, and I'm sure we'll get a lot of good insights in the first few days as soon as the set goes live on Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. We've got some other sweet rewards as well, but the Discord is the happening place to be. And we also want to make sure that we shout out each and every person the first week that they join. So we want to welcome to the fold Jake, Chris, Corey, Nathaniel, and Adam. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, there were even some people in Discord that had uh, a chance to play with the cards in paper this weekend at PAX. So the the release of a new set is always the best time to get into the Discord. That's the the most happening and where there's the most information to be gained. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all our patrons there. Yes, thank you. Yeah, there's just there is so much going on there. I do really feel like I just get to sit back and <laughs> and reap the rewards of of being a part of that community. So. I think the first thing that we should do as we dive into a completely new set. Now, these master sets, if you've not played them before, these are all reprints, right? So this is sort of like a cultivated limited format from cards already printed, sort of like a cube. And we'll we'll be discussing that a little bit more about how how this may or may not feel like a cube to us uh, more than the other master sets. But I think it's important to sort of maybe talk about the mechanics at the start of this, Ben, just to sort of give ourselves an idea of what what we're working with in terms of what magic has to offer. Yeah, I agree. So let's start off with the first one. The first one on the list is Evoke. That's sort of an alternate casting cost for a creature. The one that comes to mind that's most famous is Moldrifter. So four and a blue for a 2-2 flyer. When it ETBs, uh, you get to draw two cards, you can cast its for its evoke cost of two and a blue to just draw two cards. You get its ETB effect, and then you have to sacrifice the creature right away. That's not in this set. Uh, Ether Snipe is one of them that's in this set. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> just throwing out Moldrifter, you know, it's like, like a pet card of mine. We've got a lot of cards to talk about today. I'll talk about a card that won't be in the set. <laughs> so Ether Snipe is a card that's in this set. It's four blue blue for a four four, and when it ETBs, you return a non-land permanent to its owner's hand when it ETBs, or it's got an evoke cost of one blue blue, so you can play it, sack it, and bounce a non-land permanent. So beware, though, it has to bounce itself if there are no other targets on the battlefield. Yeah. Also, be aware that Evoke says sacrifice, as there are some little, like, sacrifice themes in the set. So that Evoke counts for that. Uh, Annihilator is up next. This is attached to some spaghetti monsters, some Eldrazi that are at various rarities in this format. But this is a a trigger, say, Annihilator, and then a number, like Annihilator 2. And that means when the creature attacks... The defending player has to sacrifice that number of permanents. Next up, we've got flashback. This is like jumpstart, except way better. <laughs> uh, so you pay a flashback cost from a card that's in your graveyard, and you get to cast the spell again without discarding a card. It's great. Yeah. We've also got dredge coming back. Dredge is a card draw replacement effect for when the card that has dredge is in the graveyard. You can choose to draw that card instead of drawing the top card of your library and then it'll have a number attached to it which will mean instead of 
drawing the card, you draw the card from your graveyard and then put that number of cards from your library into your graveyard. So it sort of like allows you to keep drawing that spell if you want to. It allows you to to fuel things into your graveyard if that's what you're trying to do. There's a lot of graveyard shenanigans in this format as we will get into. Yeah, and worth noting that it replaces any card draw effect, not just your draw step. Yes, that is important to know. Okay, next up we've got Exalted. This is a keyword on a creature and it says if you attacked with one creature only this turn for each creature that you control with Exalted, that creature gets plus one, plus one. Persist is up next. This is on creatures and it says if uh, when this creature dies, if it didn't have a minus one, minus one counter on it, you return it to the battlefield with a minus one, minus one counter on it. There's also a mythic rare that grants creatures you control undying, which is like the same effect, except it returns with a plus one, plus one counter on it. Next up, we've got Splice onto Arcane. This is in one of the rituals in the set. Uh, so Arcane is a type of spell and you can splice onto Arcane by paying a mana cost and like tacking that on to a certain arcane spell. And then you get to put it back in your hand after splicing it onto an arcane spell. And like the arcane spell has both of those spells effects. Then it's going to be pretty uh, niche and limited. I doubt that comes up in this format. Yeah. I mean like through the breach is a rare that has splice onto arcanes. Like some people I'm sure will be doing some sweet achievements there, but I think it's going to very rarely come up. Delve is up next, more graveyard interactions. This is an alternate way to cast cards by removing cards from your graveyard and exiling them. Um, So like Gurmag Angler comes to mind, that's six and a black for a five, five vanilla, but you can, but it has Delve. And so you can exile any number of cards from your graveyard for the colorless mana cost of Gurmag Angler. So you could essentially exile six cards and pay a single black mana and cast a five, five. Next up, we've got Madness. Uh, This is another alternate casting cost for a card, sort of. So you'll have a card like, for example, Fiery Temper is one red red for an instant deal three damage to target creature or player, and then it's got a Madness cost of a single red. When you discard a card with Madness, you discard it into exile, and then when it's in exile, you can choose to cast it for its Madness cost or put it into your graveyard. Heroic. Coming back from Theros, this is an ability on creatures that uh, triggers whenever you target it with a spell that you control. So if you cast an aura onto it or an instant, some sort of combat trigger onto it, you're going to get a bonus. Sometimes that's like putting a plus and plus one counter on it. Sometimes that's some different trigger, Um, but there's a lot of auras and combat tricks floating around. So you want to be on the lookout for those heroic triggers. And last but not least, we've got Spell Mastery. This cares about the number of spells in your graveyard. If there are at least two instants or sorceries in your graveyard, cards with Spell Mastery get an extra bonus when you cast them. Okay, so that's 11 mechanics. That's a lot to chew on. But the first thing when I was going through the set that I noticed is that seven of those, sorry, six of those care about the graveyard. Yeah, Flashback, Dredge, Persist, Delve, Madness, and Spell Mastery all care about your graveyard. Yeah, I mean, Madness is maybe a little bit of a stretch because like you're discarding the card into your graveyard or whatever, but that sort of means that you are trying to discard other things or, you know, have some interactions with your graveyard in other ways. Like there's just a lot going on. I think you and I both came to the same conclusion that this set may want to be called Graveyard Masters instead. Seriously, (laughs) yeah, it's ridiculous. What other sort of general thoughts did you have looking at the full spoiler? Yeah, I spent like a good four hours this afternoon just like chilling, looking at the spoiler, did some drafts on draft sim, just trying to soak up like what I thought the format was all about. And the thing that stood out to me was on draft sim. If I had a pack one, pick one that didn't have like a good rare or good uncommons, the power level was pretty low, like as as far as individual card quality and individual power level at common and uncommon, which really leads me to believe this is going to be like a, a high synergy format. And that maybe once you find your direction or you find the deck you're steering for, that it's going to be very apparent and that your cards are going to become much more than the sum of the or the what's the the saying the greater than the sum of its parts greater than the sum of its parts. that's what i was going for here that that sort of thing yeah i i think i agree with that i i'm a little scared i mean we're gonna get into the archetypes but i think heroic seems to be pretty prevalent and i am a little scared that that is just too good like it's hard for me to see what the the strong build rounds are. A lot of the build rounds look like fun to me, and I'm excited to use them. But I'm not sure that that's really going to be a winning strategy. You know? Yeah, I think if heroic decks, the heroic aggro decks, are not very good, I think this format's going to be really great and a lot of fun to play. But if heroic aggro turns out to be one of the best decks, I think it could really put a damper on what looks to be like a very cool format with a lot of things to explore. 
Yeah, and and there's sort of a problem is like it's not like there's just one heroic deck, and so like if three people are fighting over it, like I think there's enough heroic over the like Naya colors and even a little bit in in blue in terms of the way that it enables heroic that I, I think there will be multiple good heroic decks at the table, but hopefully they're not too good. Hopefully there's ways to combat them. But well, which brings us to our next point, which yeah, is exactly. the removal, which is that removal is not very prevalent or like crazy efficient, which I think might allow the RS decks to run rampant a little bit. There's like last gasp, one in a black for an instant target creature gets minus three, minus three. There's fiery temper that we mentioned uh, just in the wind or something like that yeah. is a blue bounce spell. It's one in a blue return target creature to its owner's hand and it's got madness for a blue. So there are some cheap ways to interact, but it's not very prevalent. And I think a lot of those cards are going to be high picks. And then once you stick an aura, a lot of times the creatures get out of the range of the cheap removal. And then you're left with uh, like unholy hunger or something like that. It's three black black for destroy target creature and has spell mastery. If you have two spells, you get a gain two life. So it's like a an expensive clunky Lich's Caress or something like that. It's not not a great card. It's as expensive as Lich's Caress. Yeah. Unholy hunger. It's three black yeah. black. I know, but you said it's an expensive Lich's Caress. It, it is. It's as expensive. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> um, there seem to be some archetypes that are more clearly defined than others, as we'll get into. And hopefully that's just us like maybe missing some uh, obvious things or some not so obvious things that we'll figure out as we start to draft the format. But it does look like there is some synergy bleed between colors. So you may be able to like... Uh, have some creativity in terms of like two color decks or three color decks or like build arounds if like aura aggro menace isn't too good we hopefully will be able to to get some some sweet decks and some some sweet bleed between archetypes yeah and i think as as we go into these archetypes important to note that we're only going to be talking about uncommons and commons we're not going to be referencing rares or mythic rares although there are a lot of sweet rares and mythic rares that do fall into these decks yeah, for sure. I think it's also important to note that there's really not that much mana fixing. Like usually in these master sets, we get like the Karoo lands or like guild gates or something like that. There's like some cycle of lands that doesn't exist here. We've got Terramorphic Expanse, which is a like land that comes in, a, which is a land that you can sacrifice to search up a basic land and it comes into play tapped. But that's really about it in terms of like non-rare fixing, right? I mean, we'll, we'll get into like there's a, there is a green card and a blue card, but there's just not that like ability to pick lands highly, really. I think right. There's not colorless fixing or like land-based fixing. It's all it's all color-based for the most part. Oh yeah, there is a like a three mana mana rock that taps for any color, but yeah, there, there's just not a ton of fixing. It looks like. Yeah, Manolith, I'm not sure is what you want to be doing in Ultimate Masters. Yeah, that's right. All right, well, let's dive right in. We'll talk about the first archetype here as we see it. This is going to be blue-green. I'm calling it Graveyard Shenanigans. I think you want to think back to the Innistrad blue-green deck because we've got a key card here that we'll talk about in just a minute. But I think the game plan of this deck is to try to churn through your library, put it into your graveyard to fuel a few key payoffs. So what are those payoffs? Well, we've got... Front and center, spider spawning. So this is uh, four and a green. Sorcery, you make a one, two spider token with reach for each creature card in your graveyard, and it has flashback for six and a black. So being able to cast that twice, it's a pretty big game. One, two spiders with reach are incredible blockers, really just like puts up such a, a huge fort uh, in terms of being able to fend off your opponent's attack forces. There's also a card that's been downshifted in rarity, Lab Maniac, which allows you to win the game if you have no more cards to draw from your library. So that's pretty sweet to be able to build around that at non-rare. I will be doing that quite a bit. Boneyard Worm is another creature that cares about the number of creatures you have in your graveyard as power and toughness equal to the number of creatures in your graveyard. So that's another thing you can sort of build around. Uh, Stitched Drake, if you remember this from Innistrad, these sort of like zombie things that you had to exile a creature card from your graveyard when you cast it, but you get a pretty good rate here for a 3-4 flyer for 3. There is Rise from the Tides. Uh, This is a spell that puts a 2-2 zombie token into play for each instant or sorcery in your graveyard. I assume that this is more of a blue-red card than a blue-green card, because this is really going to care about spells, and I feel like the blue-green deck really wants a high creature count for the most part. Um, And I think also, depending on how many payoffs you have or how selectively you want to exile, I think a few delve spells could be quite good, like Become Immense, which is a pretty sweet pump spell, plus six, plus six on a delve spell. And Treasure Cruise, which is a common, is a seven and a blue to draw three cards, but it has delve, so it could potentially be Ancestral Recall. So a lot of things that care about what's in your graveyard. Now, how do you get your cards into your graveyard? Well, you do have actually a, a 
pretty good number of, of ways to do that. I think deranged assistant is going to be probably the best way. This is one and a blue for a one, one. This is like the mana dork of the format. It's in blue and not green. So it's a one, one, you uh, tap it, you put the top card of your library into your graveyard and you add a generic mana to your mana pool. Um, you got a few like one time ways to do this. You got forbidden alchemy, which has a, it's sort of like an impulse effect, but it puts the other three cards into your graveyard and it has flashback as well. So if it if it winds up in your graveyard, uh, you'll be able to cast it there as well. So get some value there with some flashback spells being thrown into your graveyard. Sultai Skullkeeper is another like it's a two mana two one comes into play. You mill two for yourself. Dredge cards like Golgari Brown Scale. Seder Wayfinder, one in a green. Look at the top four again. You find a land, put the other three into your graveyard. Like, there's a lot of ways to churn through your library in blue and green. Yeah, I think Seder Wayfinder is going to be a super important card in this deck and in the green black deck. Just a 1 1 that can find a land most of the time that's going to dump three cards in your graveyard feels very, very, very much like a card that these deck wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also worth noting, like one of the things you were trying to do with spider spawning back in the day was generate an infinite loop with what runic repetition and memories journey. Those yeah. cards are not in this set, but stream of consciousness is, which is one in a blue, and you can shuffle four cards from your graveyard back into your deck. So if you get two stream of consciousness going rather than flashing back your spider spawning, you can keep dumping it back in your library and recasting it. Like devious cover up, but without that pesky relevant counter target spell text. I know. Seriously, who wants to counter spells? <laughs> yeah, not me. Is that all that blue green is trying to do? No, I it's think not. It's- I think it's got a couple other things that it could do. What's going on here? There's a multicolor good stuff slash ramp deck. Uh, Kadama's Reach is in this set, which is two and a green. Search up two basic lands, put one on the battlefield, tapped one into your hand. That fixes you a lot in a hurry and ramps you as well. Uh, There's also Dreamscape Artist, one and a blue for a one one. You can pay two and a blue, tap, discard a card, sacrifice a land, and search your library for up to two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield untapped, and then shuffle your library. So it's basically like discarding a card and casting Harrow. Yeah. For any old school players out there. I also think that, you know, we got to talk about the the boggle in the room. Slippery boggle is it uncommon. I think heroic boggles could be a deck here. I'm not convinced that this is going to be like the better aggro deck, but, you know, we've got heroic cards. There's plenty of umbras, which are like these auras that sort of give protective shields to the creatures. Like when the creature dies, instead you just remove the umbra and the creature stays on the battlefield. Like Slippery Boggle is very good. Shielding Plax is an aura that replaces itself and grants a creature hexproof and whirlwind adept. So yeah, I think that's what blue green is trying to do. I think that it's at its base. If it is the graveyard shenanigans deck, you are going to want to be splashing black a lot for things like flashing back spider spawning for flashing back forbidden alchemy, that sort of thing. So you're probably going to be blue green with a little bit of black as it was back in the day with Innistrad. Yeah, the Sultai colors definitely have a lot of graveyard stuff going on. I'm I'm not convinced that blue green really wants to be heroic or boggles at all. I think blue and green in tandem with white, like white, green and white, blue really, really want to be boggles. I don't know that blue, green really has much of a reason to be yeah. specifically boggles. So I think more the ramp or the graveyard shenanigans is what blue green's trying to do to me. Yep. I agree with that. So speaking of the graveyard, that moves us towards green, black dredge. Uh, this deck's game plan uses dredge cards and Seder wayfinder. That one, one that dumps four cards into your graveyard and finds you a land. Um, either profit with cards like spider spawning or there's some delve cards that you could maybe turbo out like hooting mandrels or gurmag angler um so this deck really seems to like blue green want a very high creature count to me so some of your payoffs in green black dredge spider spawning hooting mandrels is five and a green for a four four trample with delve gurmag angler six and a black for the five five with delve Prey Upon, I think, maybe goes up in value a lot here, and there's not a lot of good removal. So if you can reliably get Prey Upon to deal, you know, like four or five damage, it, it could turn into a reasonable card. Um, so that would be a reason then again to, to ramp out Hooting Mandrels and Gurmag Angler. There's this weird card, Miming Slime. Uh, it's two and a green for a sorcery that lets you create a copy of a creature, whatever your biggest creature is, and it has power and toughness equal to that creature. So maybe ramping out a Hooting Mandrels, Gurmag Angler, then following it up with a Miming Slime lets you put a lot of pressure on your opponent because again there's not a lot of great removal so if you can generate a big threat you know it's probably going to put your opponent into chump down or they're going to take a decent amount of damage there's death denied as a powerful card draw spell if you've got a lot of creatures in your deck and again you're dumping cards in your graveyard with things like satyr wayfinder so that's black black for x return x target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand boneyard worm the one in a green creature with power and toughness equal the number of creatures in your graveyard brawn is a card that's easy to get into your graveyard it's three in a green 
for a 2-2 trample. And if it's in your graveyard, all other creatures you control have trample. So again, that would help if you're making these big boneyard worms or Kermag Angler, mm-hmm. help them prevent them from being chumped and things like that. So I have a question for you. It feels like there is this weird tension with the cards you've just described of like cards that really want you to have creatures in your graveyard and cards that want to delve out those creatures. So how do you reconcile that? You have to, I think you have to decide. And I I don't think green black looks like a super great deck to me, but I do think it, it feels like hooting mandrels and Gurmag angler are the things you want to do here. Mm -hmm. Unless you get like a spider spawning deck, in which case you're probably still more going the blue green route. So green black feels a little more like, try to get some cards in my graveyard really quick and delve out of Hooting Mandrels and Kermag Angler to me when I was looking at all the cards in green and black. Yeah, that's my inclination as well. But I wonder if if you can sort of toe the line between the two. Yeah, and maybe you just happen to have Hooting Mandrels and Gurmag Angler in your deck. And sometimes, depending on what you're playing against, ramping that out is going to be great. And other times you're going to play for the longer game with Boneyard Worm and leaving cards in your graveyard and things like that. So as far as enablers, there's dredge cards first and foremost. There's Dakmore Salvage. That's a land with dredge two. There's also some dredge creatures. Golgari Brown Scale is one green green for a two three with dredge two. And when it's put into your hand from your graveyard, you gain two life. And there's also in black Golgari Thug, which has dredge four. So if you can get those dredge cards in your graveyard, maybe with a Seder Wayfinder. Again, I keep saying that card. I think that card is going to be really, really good in this format at common. It's going to be a super high pick. Um, and then you can start getting that dredge engine going and then maybe power out a quick Hooting Mandals or a quick Gurmag Angler. So there's also Crow of Dark Tidings, two and a black for a 2-1. Whenever it enters the battlefield or whenever it dies, you get a mill two cards from your own library. So another way to dump creatures into the graveyard. And maybe, maybe, maybe there's some alternate game plans going on here. What do you think we got as far as alternate game plans with Green Black Dredge? I mean, this sort of feels like a cop-out, but I think, you know, merging with blue cards for the total graveyard shenanigans, I think, is, is ideal. You're definitely going to want some mix of this salt-eye goodness for maximum graveyard nonsense with spider spawning. But I also think you could really just be ramping out big threats and grind with Graveyard Recursion. Like maybe you're you're more of like a Kodama's Reach death denied kind of deck. And so you're just like ramping out some fatties. I think this is that's going to be more rare based probably, or at least like going to require you to have some good rares that you want to rely on getting them back from your graveyard and not just exiling them from the game. But I think this idea of delving out some creatures that that's going to be game plan number one. Yep. All right. Next up, we got White Black Reanimate. It's pretty obvious from the title what the game plan is. You want to get some powerful creatures into the graveyard and cheat them into play via one of the many reanimation spells. Angel of Despair rarity downshift is pretty huge here, I think, because usually for reanimation to be good, like you need powerful creatures to want to reanimate because it's a lot of moving pieces, right? You have to get the creature into your graveyard early. And so that means you've either like spent a card to do that or you've discarded it through some means like there's a lot of ways to discard cards because madness exists in the set but still you're usually like down a resource there and then you're spending a reanimation spell so you really want to get a bang for your buck and angel of despair i think is a pretty big deal here so this is three white white black black for a five five flyer and when etbs you destroy target permanent so it's really tough on the mana cost but if you can just get it into your graveyard and reanimate it then you immediately get some value out of it to destroy a permanent. And then you also have a threat that they have to deal with. So that's, that's pretty great. So I think having that at uncommon is, is pretty huge here. This deck, again, as I've said, I think it has a lot of different pieces that you have to draw in the right order to make work. So we've got three non-rare reanimation spells, Unburial Rites, which has flashback, Miraculous Recovery, which is an instant and puts a plus plus one counter on the creature, and Resurrection, which is two white white to return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield at common. So again, these rarity downshifts are pretty big deals. So, you know, you'll have a reanimation spell at common and Angel of Despair. As I said, I think this is sort of like the bread and butter creature that you'll want to be reanimating a lot of the time. There are some Eldrazi you can get, but like all the the rare and mythic ones like Ulamog, Kozilek and Emrakul, you can't because they have those like reshuffle effects. So just be aware of that. Uh, How are we enabling getting these creatures into our graveyard? Well, you've got some ways to discard cards. So like Ication Crier is two and a white for a one one and you can pay two and a white, tap it, discard a card to make two one one creature tokens. So that's a pretty good value there. You 
discard that card and then reanimate it later and you've got two one ones for your troubles uh crow of dark tidings you talked about that's the the creature that enters the battlefield and mills you for two you might just be able to to randomly mise a creature into your graveyard that way better to be lucky than good <laughs> olivia's dragoon this is one and a black for a two two you can discard a card to give it flying until end of turn and buried alive if you really want to go all in is two and a black for a sorcery to dig up three creature cards from your library and put them into your graveyard so you know we've got the pieces here if you've ever drafted it's usually a blue black reanimate deck in cube if you've ever drafted that like this is going to feel very similar i'm just not sure how good this is going to be or how reliable it's going to be but it does seem like all the pieces are there yeah it really feels like blue wants to be a part of the reanimator package as well and we'll see that when we take a look at blue white's alternate game plans but blue like one of the key things for reanimator you know it's always blue black in cube because blue's got the card draw and the filtering and the discard outlets as part of the card draw to help you dig to find all these parts it feels like maybe strictly white black reanimator is going to have trouble finding each of the components like the actual discard outlet the fatty and the reanimation spell and blue could maybe help smooth that out so maybe it's going to be more of an esper build or even straight blue white yeah it just makes me nervous because there's like no fixing and like there's not a looter if there was like merfolk looter at common then yeah i'd be all into that like there are some discard cards like the dreamscape artist like that's a way to do it and that's a way to certainly fix for either black or white if you are trying to go full esper but yeah i don't know i think time will tell i'm certainly going to try this deck out i love reanimation decks yeah i think there's also like a little bit of an aristocrats sacrifice deck like that's in white black red so maybe that's sort of an alternate game plan that you can sort of try to tie in Mm -hmm. uh, as far as white blacks going and there's also a lot of madness going on in those same three colors and blue as well madness is all over the place right even in green a little bit so definitely some stuff to do there in white black besides just strictly all in white black reanimator and maybe you're not all in maybe you've maybe you've just got that as like a side package as part of your deck the thing that black white also could be is just like a good stuff deck because it has the best removal at common it has fates fetters and that whatever that unholy hunger the three black black destroyer creature and fates mm-hmm. fetters is an aura that like enchants any permanent and just shuts it down it's like an arrest and you gain four life so i think with those two you could just be like a value good stuff deck but i think that might even be end up being better but only time will tell how high of a pick do you think fates fetters is going to be I have no idea. There's a lot of bounce. That's that's what I was thinking. I was trying to decide when I was doing these draft sim drafts, and there's just no way to know until you've played the games, I don't think. I think I could see it being a super high pick, or I could just see it being sort of like slightly above replacement level. You also can't like, like it's so good if your opponent's like trying to go tall with heroic, you know, but it's also four mana. Like how much can you load up on four and five mana removal spells questions we will have to answer later so our next deck we've got here is blue black and i think it's sort of a control deck first and foremost with maybe like madness and graveyard value sub themes um so you've got just a stereotypical control deck you've got card advantage uh you want card draw you want removal you want counter spells but the the thing that makes this different from just a normal control deck is that i think it uses the graveyard very 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 well as a resource so if we take a look at some of the removal available you've got just the wind as one in a blue bounce a creature with madness of blue i think that's going to be really important to answer some of these boggles type strategies that are running around you know if your opponent goes to stick an aura and you bounce the creature in response that's a huge swing in your favor and if you manage to madness it, like with a looting effect or something, you're up a card, right? It turns into a two for one. Yeah. That's one of the key things about madness and how it plays into this deck is that anytime you manage to get a madness effect, you're sort of netting a card as well as the effect. There's a last gasp, one in a black for an instant. Target creature gets minus three, minus three. Chainer's Edict to combat those boggle strategies. That's one in a black. Target player sacrifices a creature, and then you can flash it back for five black black. There's Shriek Maw, which is probably the single best removal spell. I think in the set or close to it, if not the best. So that's four and a black for a three, two with one ETBs. You destroy target non-black, non-artifact creature, or you can evoke it for just one and a black. And then there's also Unholy Hunger, the five mana removal spell, destroy target creature that we've been talking about. I would also tack on Circular Logic into that mix as a pretty cheap counter spell. Like tough to call counter magic removal, but we're, we're calling bounce removal. So I think Circular Logic should be on that list. Right. And Runic Snag as well. That's one in a blue. Counter it unless they pay two and then they have to pay two more for each Runic Snag that's in your graveyard, I think, or something like that. Yeah. And then there's Card Advantage, Treasure Cruise. Again, so like you're trading one for one with all your removal spells. I think Treasure Cruise is at its best in this blue-black control deck because you don't necessarily care about having the stuff in your graveyard right? the way that green-blue or green-black does. So you really feel great when you delve and you cast a cheap Treasure Cruise. And then Archaeomancer at Common 
That's two blue blue for a one two. And when it ETBs, you return an instant or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand. I think rebuying cards like Just the Wind or Last Gasp that are cheap is going to be really, really important. I think Archaeomancer is going to be a key card in this blue black control deck. There's also Demir Guild Mage at Common, which lets you, it's a two two, unless you pay three and a blue to draw a card or three and a black as a sorcery to have your opponent discard a card. That's a great card advantage engine. Yeah. And then as far as like taking advantage of the graveyard, there's cards we've been talking about with some of these other archetypes. Forbidden Alchemy, Crow of Dark Tidings, the Deranged Assistant. That's the Ramper that mills one. I think that's going to be a great card in this deck. And then as far as ways to take advantage of that, Treasure Cruise, Gurmag Angler. Again, like you don't feel so bad about delving out a big Gurmag Angler here. Think twice. If you mill it accidentally, you can flash it back for two and a blue to draw a card. There's Moan of the Unhallowed is another way to flash back, make two zombie tokens, generate some value there. There's creatures that care about being in the graveyard that you can exile or madness for certain effects. There's just lots of ways to generate like 1.5 for one advantage or two for one advantage or just small incremental ways to grind your opponent out with this blue black control deck. Specifically, one card I'm pretty excited about in this deck and in some other decks is Shirai Shizo's Caretaker which is four and a black for a two, two. And whenever a creature with power one or less is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, you may return that card to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. If Shirai Shizo's caretaker is still on the battlefield. So specifically, Archaeomancer is great with that. If you have a sack outlet for it, there's also some other shenanigans to be had. Fume spitter is single black for a one, one that you can sack to put a minus one, minus one counter on something. So you can sort of machine gun things down one turn at a time. Stitcher's Apprentice, you can sacrifice to its own ability to make a 2-2 and then keep bringing it back and like every turn get another 2-2. I mean, which is not like busted or anything, but there's lots of like low key value engines. A bigger key value engine is Apprentice Necromancer. That's a black card that lets you reanimate a creature by sacrificing itself that also has one power. So you can every turn reanimate a creature. Yeah, but then you sacrifice that creature at the end step. Oh, that's it. Yeah. I missed that part of the card. But the Stitcher's Apprentice one really excites me. I, I'm writing my article for Card Sphere is I'm not doing a set review because I feel like everyone's doing it. We're doing it now. I'm just doing like 20 sweet interactions that I think you should be on the lookout for. And one of them is Stitcher's Apprentice plus everything. Because like, <laughs> just like, I just remember in, in Innistrad, like Stitcher's Apprentice just did so much. It was so innocuous. It's so annoying. And you're just like, oh wait, it, it works with that. Oh, it triggers this. Oh, it like it makes all my removal worse. Like it's just, there's so many like little shenanigans, but I, I missed this one that it could sacrifice to itself and then come back. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, it's not a high pick, but I think you want one in most of your blue decks. Uh, yeah, for sure. The, I didn't, you know, we split up the color pairs for the show notes, so I didn't do blue black. This deck looks great to me. Like it doesn't rely on any sort of like specific pieces or specific interactions. It's just like a bunch of good value stuff. Yeah. And, and I think it combats the heroic aura menace pretty well. Like if, if a deck is going to have a good matchup against that deck, I think it's going to be this one. I agree with that. I'm pretty excited about this next deck. I don't know why I just like red black stuff in a lot of like cube formats. I really like red black sacrifice as a deck. I think it, this is more going to be a madness deck first and foremost. I think this is trying to take advantage of the many free discard outlets to cast some madness spells for cheap and at instant speed. I'm not sure we we said that, but some cards that like are sorceries, you can then cast at instant speed. If, if it's a creature with madness, you get to like flash it in if you've got that discard outlet at instant speed. Uh, cards with flashback are or other graveyard synergies pair well here as well. So let's look at the payoffs, the cards that have madness. We've got Twins of Marar Estate. So this is a five mana three five in black, but it has madness for two and a black. So getting to cast a three five for three mana at instant speed off of some discard outlets is pretty sweet. Yeah, you feel like a champion if you eat your opponent's attacking creature with Twins of yeah, Marar Estate. it feels so bad. I mean, I think that's going to be one of the the true field bats at the start of the format i think people will catch on once once you get got by a three five vampire you don't get got many more times by it uh fiery temper that's the three mana deal three but has madness for a single red there's malevolent whispers which is the active treason of the format so this is a sorcery gain control of target creature until end of turn untap it it gets plus two plus oh and gains haste until end of turn but it has madness for the same cost three and a red so 
you know, it's going to be great if you have like the sacrifice things going on, just like steal the creature, attack with it, and then sacrifice it to whatever your effect you have. But pretty sweet to be able to do this at instant speed and untap a creature and get that two for one in combat to like block your opponent's creature with their own creature. Yeah, that feels great. Uh, Reckless Worm, Lords of Limited official preview card. That's the four, four for five, but has madness for two and a red. And Grave Scrabbler, this card's pretty sweet. This is three and a black for a two, two, but it has one and a black for the madness cost. And if you paid the madness cost, when it comes into play, it's Gravedigger. You just get to return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So some pretty sweet madness cards there at common and uncommon in red black so how do we get to churn those out for cheap well we've got the lords of limited official preview card faithless looting which is a single red for a sorcery to draw two discard two and has flashback for two and a red so that's pretty cheap way to do it even cheaper how about for free we've got mad profit which is a rummager so this is three and a red for a two two with haste and you can tap it to discard a card and draw a card the, the, the ways to do this for free are really going to be important. So Man Prophet and Olivia's Dragoon, we talked about that. That's the, the two and a black two, two. You can discard a card and give it flying until end of turn. All of that is pretty important. And you've got Sparks Bitter, which is two and a red for a one, three. This is sort of the, that cycle of these kinds of effects. You can pay a red, tap it, discard a card, and you make a three, one red elemental creature token with trample and haste, and then you sacrifice it at the end step. So you get to make a little thing, but... It, this is another discard outlet for you. Um, so we've got a good bit of enablers, a good bit of payoffs. I think this deck is going to be quite good. And I think there's madness floating around in other colors as well, if you do get the fixing. But I do want to talk about that alternate game plan, that red-black sacrifice deck. This is probably more of a pet deck, but the pieces are there. So we've got Bloodflow Connoisseur at common. This is two and a black for a 1-1, one, one, and you can sacrifice a creature to put a plus one plus one counter on Bloodflow Connoisseur. There's Magma, which is pretty sweet. I don't think I've ever gotten to play with this card before. This is three red red for a four four at uncommon, and you can pay one to sacrifice a non-land permanent to deal one damage to any target. Um, so if you steal some stuff or if you've got tokens, I think like token making also is going to be a theme of this deck. And like, why do we want to sacrifice stuff? Well, Furnace Celebration exists. So oh, this, yeah. So this baby. is one red red for an enchantment. Whenever you sacrifice another permanent, you may pay two. And if you do, Furnace Celebration deals two damage to any target. So you get to like have a two mana shock attached to all these sack outlets. So when you have a sack outlet for free with Bloodflow Connoisseur and a sack outlet for one on Magma, I think you like get the goods going also remember evoke triggers furnace celebration for no cost right because when you evoke something you are sacrificing that permanent there are two token makers in red black there's moan of the unhallowed and molten rebirth so moan of the unhallowed makes two 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 zombies and then it has flashback and molten birth makes two one one elemental tokens then you flip a coin and if you win the flip you get to put molten rebirth back into your hand rather than in your graveyard so i think there is all the pieces there we've got the sack outlets we've got some some sack benefits we've got malevolent whispers as the active treason thing like i'm definitely going to be trying to make this deck work oh yeah i think this deck is the real deal for sure and i'm going even a little deeper than you've outlined here what i really want some hissing aguinars so that's <laughs> two in a red for the three one whenever another creature dies you can have it deal one damage to target player or planeswalker okay I want some of those as like my blood artist type effect. Now, you don't get a drain, which isn't quite as good, but still dealing a damage is like a fair amount of reach. Yeah. And then I want all of the mirror servitors that I can get my hands on. That's like the one mana one one that like brings the army back as long as you have one of them in play. And I'm going to like sack them to my thing for free, deal some damage to the opponent and just get this loopy damage pinging engine going. And it's going to be great. All right. Never mind. That's that's game plan. Number one, this red black madness deck is game plan. Number two. I agree. Yeah, I think I, I I'm legitimately excited about like the sacrifice style deck. And I don't think it's necessarily contained to just red black. There's pieces in white as well. So there's there's definitely some shenanigans to be had there. All right, moving on out of the world of sweetness into the world of beating down. We've got red white heroic up next. This is basically Theros aggro red white, uh, which is not like the most exciting thing in the planet, but it was effective and very good. So you're trying to present some aggressive threats that have the keyword heroic and then take advantage of targeting them with spells to put plus one plus one counters on them. So some of your payoffs are Hero of Eros. This is downshifted from rare, I think. Yeah. One and a white for a two two. Aura spells you cast cost one less to cast and it has heroic. So whenever you target it, you put a plus one plus one counter on it. 
There's Phalanx Leader, White White for a 1-1, and its heroic trigger is put a plus one plus one counter on your entire team. That card is ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely busted. It's insane. There's Wing Steed Rider, which was also a huge menace in Theros, was probably the best common. One White White for a 2-2 flyer with heroic, which is just, again, bonkers, gets out of hand very quickly. There's Tethmost High Priest, two and a white for a 2-3 with heroic, and whenever you cast a spell that targets it, you get to return a creature card with convert a mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So if they manage to kill your Phalanx, leader boom right back on the battlefield for them to deal with again just disgusting there's a crow and crusader that's red for a 1-1 haste with heroic trigger of make a 1-1 creature with haste so again that's like makes more bodies for you to put auras on things like that and then as far as enablers there's conviction one and a white for an enchantment enchanted creature gets plus one plus three and you can pay a single white to return it to its owner's hand there's God's Willing. This is probably the best one. I imagine if this is anything like Theros. Right. Single white target creature gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn and you scry one. Just does so, so, so much. There's Hyena Umbra, single white to give a creature plus one, plus one in first strike and totem armor. So if they manage to kill the creature, all you do is remove the Hyena Umbra and the creature sticks around. There's Mammoth Umbra, four and a white to give plus three, plus three in vigilance. And again, same deal. If they kill the creature, all you do is lose the Mammoth Umbra and you keep the creature. Repel the Darkness is two and a white, can tap up to two target creatures, could be your own if you want to trigger heroic and draw a card. So you can essentially use it like at your opponent's end step, maybe to put some plus one, plus one counters on your stuff and cantrip. You can also use it in combat. Like you attack, they block. Oh, savage. Your creatures are already tapped. I think like I think people are going to think Repel the Darkness is like a tempo play for your like opponent's creatures. I think it is almost always supposed to be used to trigger heroic yeah in combat that sounds decent. i don't know that i'd have thought of that yeah i think that's gonna be sweet there's also a reckless charge single red give a creature plus three plus oh and haste and has flashbacks you can use that one twice to beef your heroic creatures up even more there's undying rage it's an enchantment that gives plus two plus two and makes it unable to block and then there's a sort of a pseudo removal spell a punch card if you will soul's fire two and a red target creature reaches out and punches an opponent's creature so while you're punching you're going to put a plus one plus one counter on your creature with heroic so tons of good ways to trigger heroic in this red white aggro deck and then sort of as far as alternate game plans uh, there's a little bit of a go wide sub theme in red white uh, made possible by a Crowan crusader and some other tokens cards and as far as payoffs for those there's rally the peasants I feel like this is in every master set ever so rally the peasants gives all attacking creatures plus two plus oh and then you can flash it back for two and a red to give them plus two plus oh and again on a different turn or the same turn who knows. And then Raid Bombardment, every time you attack with a creature, this is an enchantment, every time you attack with a creature power two or less, you get to deal one damage to the opponent. As far as enablers, there's some token makers, Molten Birth makes two one one tokens, and there's Acacian Criers as well. Two and a white for a one one, pay one and a white, discard a card, create two one one white citizen creature tokens. I have a question for you. Have you played with Umbras before? I have. They're incredibly oppressive and annoying. Oh, that that's a relief. <laughs> <laughs> okay have you played with no i haven't i don't think i've played with them and i think they have to be so stupid with heroic like the fact that it's not even like well like the creature like dies and then comes back it's just like nope just the aura gets removed like the creature still has all its plus and plus one counters on it yeah it's gonna be a gigantic headache yeah okay the the best way to combat it i think is bounce just the wind i think is going to be so that's the blue one in a blue bounce target creature i think that's going to be a very 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 high pick and a very good card in this format because it knocks the umbra off without killing the creatures so they don't get the benefit right yeah that's pretty huge and resets the heroic creature which is what you want to do uh all right moving on to green white heroic beef i don't really know how much different this is than than red white so i think the game plan is very similar to the red white heroic deck perhaps more aura based than combat trick based so the payoffs uh the same white cards as we discussed above the hero virois phalanx leader tethmos high priest wingsteed rider um green does add a couple cards to the fold staunch hearted warrior which is three and a green for a two two and its heroic trigger puts two plus one plus one counters on it which is pretty sweet and hero of line of tower is single green for a one one and its heroic trigger says that you pay x and then put x plus one plus one counters on it so like if you have four mana and you cast giant growth on it then you can pay three extra mana to put three plus one plus one counters on it which is pretty busted so like that's gonna be kind of a headache that's another rarity downshifted card 
Um, what enablers do we have? Well, again, same white cards as we listed above for red-white. Uh, Heliod's Pilgrim is kind of like a one-card combo because you can search up an aura. So this is two and a white for a one-two. When it ETBs, you search a library for an aura card and put it into your hand, and then you could put, slap that aura right on Heliod's Pilgrim the next turn. Travel preparations. We got a rarity upshift here, which thank God, because I think this would be ridiculous at common in the set. Well, and I think that tells you something about the power level of this archetype specifically, that they had to bump it up to uncommon. Here's what I think that means. I think it means that persist is in this set and travel preparations with persist is way too stupid. Uh, Yeah, that too. I think that's that exists. But so anyway, travel prep is one in a green for uh, a sorcery to put a plus one plus one counter on up to two target creatures. And then it has flashback for three and a white. We got some umbras, spider, boar, and snake umbra. Boar umbra is uh, is the beef. Two and a green gives plus three, plus three. Snake umbra is two and a green, gives plus one, plus one. And whenever this creature deals combat damage to an opponent, you may draw a card. That's pretty sweet. And spider umbra is single green for plus one, plus one, and reach. So sort of varying degrees there. But in green and white especially, you've got a lot of those totem armor umbras uh shed weakness is pretty sweet this is the single green plus two plus two until end of turn combat trick pretty sweet persist because it removes a minus one minus one counter prey upon is going to be a lot better here than we've seen before because of heroic so the fact that this can be like hunt the weak for a single green on a heroic creature is pretty awesome yeah that seems powerful um and become immense is your giant combat trick so that's the five and a green with delve to give plus six plus six until end of turn I do think that there could be green-white reanimate, as we talked about, like, you know, that white could be dipping into some other colors. I think green-white reanimate could be an alternate game plan because you can take the graveyard shenanigans that green has to offer and pair that with white's reanimation spells. And maybe you're like green-white splashing black so you can also cast on burial rights or something. But, you know, green and white both have some discard outlets. They've got some ways to to churn through the library. I think green-white reanimate is is definitely a, a solid game plan. So do you think with how flexible they made all these archetypes and how much overlap there is, et cetera, et cetera, do you think it's a purposeful decision to not put a lot of fixing in the set? That's sort of what it feels like to me, because if you could, if there was good fixing, it just feels like you could do whatever you wanted always all the time. But what do you mean by do whatever you want always all the time? Like just take advantage of all these cards across multiple colors that have synergy with each other. Like you could have green, white, blue, black reanimate. And instead, like not having fixing is going to force you to try to pick a color pair probably to try to do that in. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. Yeah, because it, it feels like it's weird because I feel like we've never seen this before where it's not like there are 10 pretty clearly defined archetypes with no fixing. So it's like just stay in your lane and be two colors or like, well, we've got fixing and there's all this bleed of like, yeah, well, you could be the heroic deck in four different colors or right. You could be the reanimate deck in four different colors. It seems like white is pretty much at this. It's like at the center of like two pretty big archetypes. Yep, I agree. And so speaking of white being at the center of archetypes, we've also got blue-white aura aggro, which is again similar to white-red, white-green, and white is at the base of all those. So if you're starting white, you have outs. Like if you can get the white heroic cards, I think you can be pretty confident that you can find one of the other open colors to make a good heroic deck. So I think cards like Wingsteed Rider and uh, the uncommon heroic payoffs are going to be hotly contested. So you've still got all those as payoffs. Blue cards, you pick up Slippery Boggle. You can cast for a blue. Uh, that's the 1-1 one, one Hexproof. There's Whirlwind Adept. That's the 4 and a blue for a 4-2 Hexproof with Prowess. There's Iridescent Drake. That's 3 and a blue for a 2-2 two, two Flyer that lets you pick up an aura out of any graveyard, yours or your opponent's, and attach it to Iridescent Drake. And there's also Lotus Eye Mystics that would go well in any of these aura decks. That's three and a white for a 3-2 with Prowess. And when it ETBs, you to return an enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. So like rebuying one of those Umbras that they're going to have to fight through twice again. And again, playing against Umbras, one of the best things you can do is hold mana up. Because your opponent just can't tap out. Well, they might be able to, but good players should not jam their umbras into open mana because you can blow them out with instant speed removal or instant speed bounce so from blue you pick up one more umbra there's one in a blue for eel umbra that has flash an enchanted creature gets plus one plus one and also has the totem armor ability you get shielding plaques to sort of build your own slippery boggle with that's two and hybrid blue green to make enchanted creature unable to be targeted by spells or abilities your opponents control and you get to draw a card when you cast it there's Flight of Fancy, three and a blue enchanted creature gets flying and you draw two cards uh, whenever Flight of Fancy enchants the creature. And one of my favorite cards from when I was a kid, 
unstable mutation yeah. single blue enchanted creature gets plus three plus three and every turn you have to put a minus one minus one counter on it i had like this all in blue green aggro deck when i was a kid it still sticks out in my brain when i saw this card I had like scribe sprites single green for a one one flyer it had giant growth like basically i had figured out that like cheap aggressive cards were good and i jammed like every cheap card that had like a drawback <laughs> possible into this deck i loved unstable mutation unstable mutation seems like it is going to be very good in this format yeah i think so because you you also get sort of an extra turn if you unstable mutation anything with heroic because you get a plus one plus one counter on it. right yeah i don't know these aggro decks are scary yeah i i agree i think if you're only drafting this format once or twice like the aggro decks are like very clear and obvious for how to draft heroic creatures and these umbras and i think it's going to be powerful it's gonna be tough to answer so as far as alternate game plans we've talked about, uh, I think there's a lot of madness and reanimate stuff going on with blue and white also. So you've got the reanimate spells in white. Blue's got a lot of good discard outlets and card draw to help you find your reanimate spells, help you find the stuff. I think it's just going to smooth the deck out a lot uh, if you can have a blue-white version of reanimator. And there's a card I'm especially excited about in the format, Spirit Karn. It's two and a white for an enchantment. And whenever any player discards a card, you can pay a single white to make a 1-1 flyer. I think Spirit Karn is going to be outstanding because you're going to be you're going to be putting it in a deck that's got discard stuff and it triggers off all your opponent's discard stuff. And there's a lot of madness, just card draw, discard a thing, uh, rummaging effects. There's just so much discarding of cards going on in this format, I think. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe Spirit Karn is going to be pretty sweet. I think it's going to be a build around and I think it's going to hose opposing decks. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that hosing effect is going to be real. All right, blue-red spells is up next. This is sort of like the classic blue-red deck as we've known from set after set after set. You're just using burn and card draw to fuel a few cards that care about instants and sorceries being cast or being in your graveyard. So what are those cards? We've got Rise from the Ties. We talked about that a little bit. That's five and a blue for a sorcery to put a 2-2 zombie into play for each instant sorcery in your graveyard. Now, we've gotten a little used to like Beacon Bolt and Crackling Drake caring about cards in Exile. This does not. So just be aware of that with your flashback spells that once you flash them back, they are gone and no longer count towards your number of spells in your graveyard. They do not count for spell check, patent pending. (laughs) Smoke breathing and spell check. (laughs) Flashback will count for your Thermo Alchemist, which is the real deal. This is one in a red for an O3. It taps to deal damage to a player. And then whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you untap it. And this is a common. So this damage really does add up. This was from Eldritch Moon, right? I think so, yeah. This in combination with Think Twice is just going to be absurd if you get multiples of each of those cards. Exactly. Young Pyromancer at Uncommon as well. This is a 1 in red for a 2-1 that makes a 1-1 token every time you cast an instant or sorcery spell. And Archaeomancer, I think, could be lumped in here. But I think the other the other cards are, are more much more enablers for this deck. I think you'll probably play an Archaeomancer or two in this deck as well. But, uh, but you definitely want the other three. So what enablers fall into this category? Well, we've got the card draw of Forbidden Al- Alchemy, which is like the impulse with flashback that leaves the cards in your graveyard instead of putting them on the bottom of your library. That's pretty sweet in tandem with Rise from the Tides. Sleight of Hand, this is just like your classic single blue cantrip. Think twice, this is one and a blue to draw a card and then has flashback for two and a blue. And Treasure Cruise, again, it's kind of a, there's like a little bit of tension here with delving and things caring about stuff existing in the graveyard, but that's the seven and a blue draw three with, with delve. We've got card filtering that fills the yard and triggers your your young pyromancers and your thermo alchemists, but they do leave you down a card unless you're using some madness. So faithless looting and frantic search. This is two and a blue for an instant. Draw two, discard two, and then untap three lands. And fiery temper is really like your only good madness spell here. Like it's it's good removal spell in red. That's really like your only one. Rolling Tremblor is like the sweeper. That's the like pyroclasm effect with flashback. Deal two to every creature. But if you're playing young pyromancer or rise from the tides, you don't really want to cast that as well. So I'm not really sure how that's going to fit in. Um, But I think those are sort of all the components to be on the lookout for. In terms of an alternate game plan, I do think blue red madness is probably a, a good backup or a good like you know, you're going to have maybe not a streamlined madness deck or a streamlined spells deck. It's going to be somewhere in the middle. Like there's a lot of good enablers from both colors and a good bit of madness cards in blue. We keep talking about just the wind. There are a few more. Uh, I think this version could overlap or could maybe get you into 
Grixis if you get some fixing, and then you're really on the madness train with all the the good black cards as well. So uh, I don't know. I think Blue Red has some pretty clearly defined stuff, but also plays well with others. Yeah, I think Rise from the Tides is pretty sweet and a pretty big payoff for this archetype, and I am excited to try this one out. Yeah, this seems a bit more linear than a, a lot of the other archetypes, I think. Yep, absolutely agreed. That brings us to our last and definitely the least <laughs> archetype. <laughs> this is Red Green madness aggro beatdown question mark so we got we got fooled here by our preview cards yeah someone someone's having a laugh over at watsi <laughs> yeah but sadly i do think our preview cards are the best this color pair can do <laughs> so i think your game plan is to try to curve out with wild mongrels into a reckless worm and that that's about it so as far as payoffs for being red green, there's Vengeful Rebirth, which is a gold card. It's four red green, lets you rebuy a card from your graveyard and return it to your hand, and you deal damage equal to that card's converted mana cost to any target. So that gives you some reach. There's Wild Hunger as a card with flashback um, that gives plus three, plus one, and trample at uncommon. Yeah, that, it got upshifted. Yeah, it was too busted at common, apparently. <laughs> I mean, it's a fine card. You'll play it happily, I think, in a red-green deck. This archetype needed to be yeah. nerfed. Uh, seriously. <laughs> There's Fiery Temper with Madness to deal three damage. Uh, maybe this is another home for Miming Slime, that two and a green sorcery make an XX token equal to your biggest creature. There's Basking Rootwalla as a cheap threat that you can Madness out for a Madness cost of zero. It's single green for a 1-1, one, one, and you can pump it to give it plus two, plus two uh, with one and a green. And then Reckless Worm, which is the three red red, one of our preview cards, mana's cost of two and a red for a four four trample. If they had put Arrogant Worm in this set, I mean, this maybe would be a real archetype. That's all it would have taken. But they didn't, they didn't even bother to do that. Yeah. Does that make green white too good? Does that make green black too good if Arrogant Worm is in the set? Does that make green blue? That Maybe that makes green blue feel like, you know, green blue felt in, I forget which master set it was that Madness existed. But like, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like there's just, I look at red and green. I'm like, what are you doing? It really, yeah, it's it's rough. So as far as enablers, you've got wild mongrel, which is great as a discard outlet, one and a green for a two, two, and you can discard a card to give it plus one, plus one and make it the color of your choice until end of turn. There's faithless looting uh, as a cheap way to discard and turn on madness. And there's mad profit as a creature that lets you rummage with haste three and a red for a two, two and has tapped to rummage. And then as far as alternate game plans, I, I, I don't know. I, I just wrote pivot out of red green. Why are you drafting it again in our show notes? <laughs> I literally don't. I, I plan to do two things. I plan to try never to draft red green. And I, I plan to try to draft spider spawning a lot in this format. Yeah, except I think maybe not the, the jig is up with red green. I think the jig is going to be up with spider spawning. I think people are going to know. Like you can't ever draft that deck when... Innistrad flashes back like I think people are going to be pretty clear about drafting that kind of deck I think the things that we may have a, an edge up on and our listeners may have an edge up on are like the things like red black like what that that archetype's trying to do and like white blue being maybe a reanimation deck as well those sorts of things feel like some stuff that that we gleaned from like pouring over the spoiler I, th- I think I think people are going to know to make some spider tokens well, and I think by and large, as listeners of our show, like I, this format looks exciting to me. I don't, I don't know. You seem a little bit down on this format from what we've texted about. But when I look at this format, like uh, my hope is that the heroic decks aren't busted. And I think if that's the case, like I think this format's really going to reward good drafting and creativity. Yeah, I hope that's true. It's just the lack of fixing makes me a little worried about that. The lack of good removal and the fact that like so many of the archetypes look like they're busted aggro decks. Yeah, but I mean, there there are some other sweet looking decks. I mean, blue red looks like a very focused linear mm-hmm. deck that looks powerful. I think blue green and green black even to extort maybe to a lesser extent, but like the graveyard strategies, if there aren't too many people trying to draft them in your pod, look super powerful. And I think maybe just because there isn't a lot of fixing, there are a lot of things that you can do within each color pair. So like, even if it takes you a while to find your lane or whatever, if you do find something that's open, I think this is really going to reward that. I think you'll be able to go pretty far. And and I think one of the cool things about this format is going to be identifying the cards that go really well in like three or four or five of these archetypes. Because I think those are going to be the powerful cards that are going to be the high picks, like cards that open up different paths to travel down yeah and 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 i think also recognizing like when you need to be taking enablers versus when you need to be taking payoffs well i think you're almost always taking payoffs first 
Uh, I think when when to get into a deck, yes. Yeah. But I think like in pack three, you're like, man, I probably need this like Seder Wayfinder over everything. That sort of thing, you know? Right, right, right. As far as like sitting down to draft, um, some just some build arounds to keep an eye out for, because I had some trouble like trying to figure out when I was doing some draft sims, like getting into a lane. So I think some key cards, Furnace Celebration, that's the enchantment that when you sack a thing, you can deal two to any target by paying two. Spider spawning, uh, fecundity, two and a green for the enchantment. And whenever a creature dies, its controller draws a card. That's a payoff for being a sacrifice deck. Lab maniac is going a little deep, but it does look like it does look very possible to turn through your entire deck pretty quickly if you have an interest in doing that in this format. No, I think lab maniac is going to be real. Yeah. Rise from the tides as a payoff card seems very, very strong. Uh, Shirai Shizo's Caretaker, that's that black creature that lets you return things with power one or less that died at the end of the turn. And Spirit Karn, that white enchantment that whenever somebody discards, you can pay one to make a 1-1 flyer. I think those all look like really powerful, interesting build-arounds that sort of can give some direction to your yeah, draft. I agree with that. All right, uh, I'm excited. I'm a sucker for new limited sets no matter what. I know it's going to be great. Like even even if it even if the answer to the puzzle ends up being that heroic is great, we're going to have a lot of fun losing on the way to that conclusion. Yes, for sure. Before we go, we should take a look at a round table here and maybe sit down and do a little pack one, pick one. Oh, yeah. Just to, let's just do to it. give some context. So here it is. Your choices are Awful Snout, two and a black for a 2-2 with flash. When it leaves the battlefield, exile target card from a graveyard and has an evoke cost of black. Deranged Assistant, one and a blue for a 1-1 with tap, put the top card of your library into your graveyard, add a colorless mana to your mana pool. Angelic Renewal, one and a white for an enchantment. Whenever a creature is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, you may sacrifice Angelic Renewal. If you do, return that card to the battlefield. Hissing Iguanar, two and a red for the 3-1. Whenever a creature dies, you can have this deal one damage to target creature or player or planeswalker. That'd be busted if it was creature. Good lord. Ether Snipe, five and a blue for a 4-4. When it ETBs, return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Has an evoke cost of one blue-blue. Sky Spear Cavalry, three white-white for the 2-2 flying double strike. Undying Rage, two and a red. Enchant creature gets plus two, plus two, and can't block. When Undying Rage gets put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return it to its owner's hand. Dark Dabbling, two and a black for an instant. Regenerate target creature, draw a card, and has spell mastery. Uh, if there are two or more instant or sorcery cards in your graveyard, also regenerate each other creature you control. Nightbird's Clutches, one and a red for the sorcery. Up to two target creatures can't block this turn and has flashback of three and a red. Maybe giving some legs to red green beatdown. Oh my god. Nightbird's Clutches also triggers Heroic. Oh, it, and has flashback. Oh, my lord. <laughs> that is so gross. That is kind of gross. Uh, Basking Rootwalla, single green for a 1-1. One, one. one and a green gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. You can activate that ability only once each turn and has a madness cost of zero. Death Denied, Black Black X, an arcane instant. You can return X target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. Ghoul Steed, four and a black for a four four, two and a black, discard two cards, return it from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Travel preparations, one and a green for the sorcery, put a plus one plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures with flashback of one and a white. Forbidden alchemy, two and a blue instant, look at the top four cards of your library, put one of them in your hand and the rest into your graveyard. Has a flashback of six and a black. Did that get upgraded to uncommon? That used to be a common, right? Yeah, it did. And Wall of Reverence, three and a white for a one six with Defender and Flying. I love this card every time it's in cube. At the beginning of your end step, you may gain life equal to the power of target creature you control. Um, I mean, I think Wall of Reverence is the unexciting but correct pick here. Really? Why do you think that's the pick? Because it's a really good card. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's just good. So other cards besides that that stand out to you? So if Wall of Reverence isn't in the pack, I think I take travel preparations, but I don't know if that's true. So like the cards that stand out to me are Alchemy, Travel Preparations, and Deranged Assistant, I guess. I agree. I would also kind of put Iguanar on that list, but that's probably later after you have some of the the good cards like Furnace, whatever it's called. Yeah, I think you should be able to get the Hissing Iguanar later than this. Yeah, I agree with those three cards. Weirdly, I think Deranged Assistant is better than Alchemy. I agree. So yeah, so it's between... Uh, assistant and travel prep and i guess assistant like maybe goes in more decks right so assistant is going to be very flexible it's going to be good in blue black it's going to be good in blue green it's going to be good in blue red 
you want to dump spells into your graveyard for free, yeah. And it's probably good with blue-white if you're not going the heroic route, if you're going like the madness reanimation route. So it's going to be good in all the blue decks. It's probably like one of the best commons. Um, I just think travel preparations is so good and combos so well. Like it goes so well with heroic because you're getting that trigger and you're putting a counter on a thing. And it also goes so well with persist because like the creature dies and then you put a counter on it and now it can die again and come back. I I think travel prep has the highest upside for me here. I think I agree with that. I think my order would go wall, travel prep, deranged assistant, forbidden alchemy also. Yeah, for sure. It was interesting talking through deranged assistant there. Like that's really, really good in this format. Yeah, it's going to be great. It was great in triple Innistrad and I think it might just be better here. Yes, I think it's much stronger here. Oh my God, I'm still like just freaking out about Nightbird's clutches, (laughs) triggering heroic (laughs) twice and then having flashback. And like killing you dead when that's relevant too. Oh, right. Like, it's also just a way better. It's like Sonic Assault on steroids. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, this format is going to either be great or awful. (laughs) Well, but I think there's like tons of stuff like that in this format, too. Like, it does look super deep to me, assuming that aggro is not busted. Yeah, that's that's true. Well, at least red green isn't good. (laughs) That (laughs) that would have been an aggro deck, too. Yep, that has been nerfed. Sweet. Well, looking forward to talking about what our experience is after our first few days of drafting next week. Yeah, because it comes out on Thursday, so we will have plenty of time to jam lots of drafts, and I think we'll just be trying to tell you how to win as effectively as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not out for that long, right? Only out for a couple weeks, but should be fun. But there's some premier level events. There's GP, right? GP Vancouver. Oh, is that true? Yeah. Oh, baby. Do we have to do sealed for this then? God, no. Okay, never mind. <laughs> right, perfect. <laughs> All right, that's probably a good place to wrap it up here. Yeah, thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give that a listen. The GRN treasure hunt is coming to a close, so get those screenshots into us. If you want to see the achievement list, you can go exclamation mark treasure hunt in either of our Twitch chats to see the 15 achievements that you need to unlock. If you unlock five of them, you get entered into a giveaway for a draft set. We are drawing the GRN treasure hunt to a close on December 7th. So get your screenshots into us before then. Where do you want to send those? Well, you want to put them on Twitter with hashtag GRN Treasure Hunt at Lords of Limited. Or if you're not on Twitter, why aren't you on Twitter if you like magic? You can shoot those over to us at our email address, lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Speaking of that email address, send some things there if you've got any feedback about the show or any questions. If you want to get in touch with us specifically, come check out our streams. My God, Ben, it's so good to have you back on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Check him out. Twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware for me. We're both under those same handles on Twitter. Please be on the lookout for my article on Cardsphere about a bunch of sweet interactions that you want to be on the lookout for in Ultimate Masters. I finally ground up to 5,000 gold. The arena streams are coming back. Oh, baby. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Dredge is a mechanic that is on cards. Nope, that's usually where mechanics are. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Dredge is a mechanic that... What what word do I want? Triggers? What what am I trying to say? It's a card draw replacement effect, right? Oh my god, yeah. I was never going to get there in a million years. Okay. (laughs)